Welcome back in for a special edition of the Hawks Talk podcast, where we talk all things Upper Valley Nighthawks. Today, we're highlighting the all-stars of this Upper Valley Nighthawks team. Hello, everyone. My name is Ian Binky, alongside my partner, Jonah Krell, here for this edition. And Jonah, a lot of guys that we got to highlight here because it's been it's been an up and down season, but they've been having really good years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's been a lot of, of stars on this team that have just really carried the way, and uh, it's going to be fun to highlight all of them. Let's start right now with a, a guy that will be representing the Nighthawks in both the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby in Ryan Cesarini. Now, it's kind of surprising. Once again, we say it every time for everyone who's been watching on the outside of this ball club. He doesn't have any home runs this year for the Nighthawks, but he is a representative in the Home Run Derby, and that's because what he can do with the bat in batting practice. He can put on a laser show during BP, he sends a lot of balls over the over the wall around the league, and he also did it this year in college, eight home runs for St. Joseph's, and he does have some extra base pop, three doubles, three triples this year for the Nighthawks, but trying to get that home run ball going. He's gotten so close a couple times. He came up just short uh, last night in the final at-bat um, in, in the loss to uh, Keene, but like you said, it, it's really been all in batting practice. Batting practice. We've seen the potential. Uh, we know he can do it. We saw what he did at St. Joseph's. So uh, we, uh, the, they're giving him a chance. We'll see what he can do. It's, it's going to be tough because there are a lot of home run hitters um, that have slugged really well this summer. Um, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a competitive field in the Home Run Derby also, namely Karsten Sabathia in the Home Run Derby for the Martha's Vineyard Sharks. He did not homer against the Nighthawks, but sent a couple of fly balls deep into the outfield. Didn't quite clear the fence at the Shark Tank, but he'll be looking to do it today at Lynn Field. And speaking of Ryan Cesarini, we had the chance to talk with him earlier last week. Uh, in preparation for the week ahead. And we also talked to him a little bit about the All-Star Nod and uh, everything going on there. Let's take a listen. Joining us now on Hawks Talk is Nighthawks outfielder Ryan Cesarini from St. Joseph's. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm good. How about you guys? We're doing good. So, Ryan, you've been seeing the ball really well, hitting the ball really well, second on the team in average. What have you been seeing at the plate? Uh, honestly, um, just attack, attack the ball early. Uh, I know Darius Myers always says that, attack the game. Uh, I like that quote from him. <laughs> kind of stole it and uh i like to motto after that and same thing like go after as many balls as you can early in the counts because it's probably gonna be the best ball you're gonna see and not only that i love how aggressive you are on the base pass um i think you have deceptive speed because it looks like with your arms and everything it doesn't look like you're running too fast but you actually are very fast and you have um the most triples on this team uh just talk to me about your speed on the base pass yeah no i get that a lot um a lot of times when i meet new people they say uh you do not look like you're fast and uh i'll normally beat out an infield single or some stupid little dribbler and then (laughs) it just shows um but yeah i don't know i guess uh thank my strength coach back home mike marcinic um I guess he can take all the credit for that one. <laughs> I mean, you also kind of use that speed, use your hitting uh, to lead the Atlantic 10 in average last year with a 392 clip. So that hitting here in the uh, NACBL has not been a surprise. So you, you said you kind of attribute that to your strength coaches on your speed, but what do you attribute your consistent hitting to? Yeah, I guess that'd be my hitting coaches back at St. Joe's, uh, Coach Wheeler, um, Coach Lee, and uh, even head coach uh, Fritz Hamburg. Um, they're great guys. They know what they're doing. Um, even when you're struggling, they help to figure you out, and that's that's where I get it from, I guess. 
Now, Ryan, I know uh, early on in the season, you told me that you don't even watch MLB. You, you don't even have a team or anything like that, which is interesting in itself. But uh, is there anyone that you modeled your game after? Is there anyone um, you idolized growing up? Um, I was a big Derek Jeter guy growing up. Um, I, no, I live not too far from the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, which is a AAA team of the Yankees. So we always saw a bunch of games there. But uh, I wouldn't say I have a particular favorite player. I do like I did like Derek Jeter growing up, though. So you got a, a interesting group of guys here with the Nighthawks. Uh, how have you been getting along with them? Uh, honestly, uh, me and Pat, uh, D'Amica, we've been going fishing a lot. Uh, Chick's been coming in there. Uh, Steve a little bit. Um, me and my teammate, Will McCausland, when he was here, we were going golfing. So uh, I think everyone's a great guy here. Um, no one's really no one's really bad or anything. Um, so we all get along good. And uh, staying on this topic of the team, how is this year, this summer, compared to last year in the Perfect Game League uh, when you were with the Auburn Double Days? Um, same thing. I mean, everybody was a great, great teammate. Um, there's not too many people, honestly, that you meet that aren't aren't good teammates and don't want to be there and uh i think it's it makes it more enjoyable when you're with a gr- uh, good group of guys uh everybody wants to win nobody wants to lose um and yeah that's it uh not everyone has the the privilege of watching you take batting practice you put on a light show in <laughs> bp uh what's your mindset in bp flashing the power up but then uh keeping that pop during the game <laughs> um I don't know. I mean, honestly, I just go out there and look to hit the ball in the barrel. And I guess my BP is just, I guess it just works. Um, I wish some of those balls would start flying out in the games, but I mean, you can't force it. So take it at bat at a time. And Ryan, my last question for you. Uh, we're, we're taping this on Friday, just after um, the Nighthawks walk-off win against the Vermont Mountaineers. That broke a big losing streak for you guys. So now as you know, we're sort of heading into that final stretch of the season, what's it going to take for this team to know to come together and, and put together a hot stretch? Yeah, um, so we were a great team in June. I think we uh, got a little unlucky in the early July, but uh, we're on that little skit there of five losses or so. And uh, I think that win, that walk-off, not only was it a win, but it was a cup win. Um, I think that that's going to be huge momentum for us going forward. Uh, we're playing the Mariners tonight, so Mainers, Mainers, Mainers not Mariners. Yeah. Wow, uh, the Mainers tonight. So, <laughs> so uh, hopefully that could keep us rolling, and we could get a little win streak going here, and then uh, push it into the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, one last thing for me: How do you stay fresh with all the double headers and uh, the long stretch of games, kind of getting you ready for life in pro ball? But how do you stay fresh compared to the lighter college schedule? Yeah, um, a lot of sleep. I sleep in a lot. Uh, you could ask my host family about that. Um, and uh, yeah, just eating right, uh, getting the right nutrients, and uh, just enjoying your time, going fishing, relaxing. Try not to put too much stress on yourself. Once again, that's Ryan Cesarini, outfielder for the Nighthawks from St. Joe's. Ryan, thanks for talking to us. Thank you, guys. Thank you to Ryan Cesarini for talking with us. And now we're going to move on to some of the other All-Stars, the other All-Star starter for the Nighthawks. Ryan Cesarini, the starting DH for the West Division. Nighthawks moving over with the West teams here for the two-team All-Star game. But uh, let's move on now to the starting outfielder in Adarius Myers. Now, Adarius was one of the Nighthawks that started right out of the gates. We knew he was going to be one of the stars for the Nighthawks. He was very good last year 
for Upper Valley and a small sample size, 10 games to be exact, but picked up right where he's left off. He started with the 15-game hitting streak and really has not slowed down, hitting 326, the team leader. Yeah, it was. it's just been an amazing summer for Adarius. He, he continues to find a way to get on base and, and hit, whether it's, you know, hard hit balls into the outfield. We've seen him hit a couple home runs or just uh, ground balls through the infield. He finds a way to get it done uh, in several ways. It's just so fun to see him work because it's, it's consistency from him. It really is. And then we always say his quote. His quote just <laughs> always, always comes up time and time again. I attack the game so the game don't attack me. And he plays like it. 15 stolen bases this year. That's tops on the team. And, you know, whenever he gets to first base – he is not going to stay there for very long. We always joke that he has the most laundry to do on the team because every time he comes back from the ball field, his jersey is just absolutely filthy. Yeah, it, it's so fun. Again, it's it's like a like a little league guy, you know, who's just going to always want to run and, and move around the base pass. Uh, so he plays with a passion, um, just like a, a, a youthful passion, I, I like to say. It's so, it's so fun to see him work. And, and again, on that swing, it's very just short and simple, very compact, doesn't try to do too much with it. And uh, I guess he just sort of flew under the radar. No one really knows who he is because, you know, Louisiana Tech, not a big name school, but uh, he has come in and he has shined uh, the best hitter in, in the entire NECBL. So this is well deserved for him. Yeah, and uh, one game that he was playing someone, I think it was Noah McLean, the broadcaster for the Vermont Mountaineers, who noticed he wasn't wearing Bruce Bolt batting gloves. He was wearing work gloves at the plate, and that's just that's just a uh, metaphor for how he's played the entire season. He comes, brings a lunch pail, always ready to work hard, and he's rewarded with this All-Star game nod, not only for the offense, but also the defense as well. He's looked very good at both center and left field. Had a couple of really nice plays um, against Martha's Vineyard, able to track down some, ball, uh, some balls, made a leaping catch against Carson Sabathia. So, yeah, he's shown the ability in the outfield a couple times this year. Now let's move on to the reserves who are going to the All-Star Game, representing the Nighthawks, and one of them is the backstop Kevin Brogman. This is his first experience in college summer ball. He's played four years at Hofstra University, moved into the starting role really quickly there, and shown... and several opportunities that he has a very strong case to be one of the top prospects coming out of this Hofstra ball club. And he has bolstered that resume here with the Upper Valley Nighthawks hitting near 300 as a, as a catcher, which is really not something that you could say really often. And and he has just been a, a consistent threat at the top of the lineup for them uh, with his extra base uh, mentality, his powerful swing that he has. He, he has a lot of doubles um, on the team. If you look at it, seven doubles this summer. That's a second, I believe, behind his Hofstra teammate, Steve Harrington. And for him, he had uh, all CAA honors this past season with Hofstra. And, and now that's carrying over here. He has such a big threat with his bat, but also his defensive capabilities. It's really a one-two punch. And people forget he's got some speed on the base pass, too. That he does. He's got sneaky speed. And that contributes to those seven doubles. Not all of them are you know, the gappers that are no doubt doubles. Some of them are hustle doubles. And that pays off. But you cannot talk about Kevin Brugman without mentioning his defense. It seems every game behind the plate, 
we're talking about how many great blocks he has, how many bases he's saving his pitchers by blocking balls in the dirt. Then also he has got a cannon of an arm behind the plate. Yeah, I believe he has about eight caught stealing. I think that's correct. Eight caught stealing, which is at least top three, I believe second in the NECBL. So that is um, incredible stuff. Yeah, 30% caught stealing rate. He's caught eight of, let's see if I could do math here, eight of 20, 28 of 28. Yeah, that, that's math. Eight <laughs> of 28 attempted base stealers. No. 8 of 27. Yeah, I did that right. I doubted myself in my head. 8 of 27 base stealers he has caught. He's just been a, a threat to run on, and that has pretty much scared off a lot of teams in the NECBL trying to run against him. There's some guys that have thrown out more base stealers, but that's because they have had more attempted base stealers against them. So Brugman, a cannon behind the plate, and also a great guy to talk to. We had a chance to talk with him about how he's spending the summer and how he's enjoying his time in the Upper Valley. Let's take a listen. Joining us now on Hawks Talk is Nighthawks catcher and NECBL All-Star Kevin Brugman. Kevin, congratulations. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Kevin, you've been a stalwart behind the plate for the Nighthawks and for the Hofstra Pride. Uh, how, how have you stayed consistent? You've gotten a lot of work, especially the last couple of seasons. How have you been able to stay behind the plate for so many games? Um, just take care, taking as good care of my body as possible. Um, I love weightlifting and all that stuff, so that sort of keeps me in shape all year round. So, And just um, being smart with it and knowing my body, and I've got to know my body through the years so I can kind of tell when I'm feeling good and when I'm not feeling good, so it's good. Yeah, and we were talking uh, yesterday about um, how much muscle you've built, and it's sort of a testing thing. Like, you, you got to know what's best for you, right? Can yeah. you talk a little bit about how you figured out what was best for you? Yeah, it's just a lot of trial and error, and I have a, I have a really good trainer at home who helped me through it a lot, and the trainers at Hofstra are great. So just knowing my body and through the years and knowing what works for me best and just a lot of trial and error has worked out great, so... Yeah, in terms of taking care of your body, you know, you hurt your knee a couple of games ago. Yeah. Kind of explain what happened and how you're feeling now. Um, so I took a, a foul ball off my, like, right above my kneecap. So it, it just got super swollen, so I didn't have um, much range of motion. Um, but just a couple of days off and one rain, rain out that actually kind of helped give me another day. And uh, it feels good now. It's a little tight, but I can bend it and flex it as good as ever. So it's good. So playing in the NECBL, you've gotten a couple of chances to play close to home, especially Bristol and uh, Mystic a couple of times that you played close to home. What was that experience like? Uh, it's cool. I got to see my family up in Mystic and just seeing them um, makes you miss home a little bit, but it's always good to see the family and my parents and my sisters. But yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a great summer up here and looking forward to finishing it out. Four Hofstra guys on this roster. I mean, that must be great for you. Uh, I have a question, uh, a little quiz question for you. Okay. Uh, a couple, couple quick ones. First off, um, who's the biggest flirt among the, the Hofstra guys on the roster? Oh <laughs> man, on our team here? Yeah. Because all of you guys seem like great guys. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Me and Dylan got girlfriends. Oh, okay. And St- so I'll go with Steve. I'll go with Steve. Steve. Okay. He's not much of a flirt, but I'll go with Steve. <laughs> All right, cool. And then um, who are you rooming with, who are you rooming with among the, the Hofstra guys here? So actually, I room with uh, Santino Rosso. He plays okay. for the, the Mountaineers. And 
we set that all up before I knew the rest of these guys were coming down here. They were they were some late pickups, so it was just me and uh, Santino from Vermont. So we got a little spot in between the two fields, so it's worked out perfect. But they come over and hang out all the time, so it's good. Yeah, with all the Hofstra guys on the team, you know, what's that experience like being able to come up here and play with all your teammates? Oh, uh, it's great. And sometimes during the season, you don't get the you have your different friend groups and stuff like that, and we're all kind of in. Uh, sort of separate friend groups we're close but like separate friend groups so experiences like this has brought us super close together and it's it's great having those guys up here with me and then on the other hand what has it been like playing against santino rosso and also danny kelleher who's playing with mystic what's it like playing against those guys when you go to school with them uh it's different but it's cool seeing them out there and just we're all here for the same thing to get better compete try to win games and it's cool when you when you get to do it on the field with a bunch of your buddies for you, Kevin, I know whenever you're running on the base pass, I think your hat falls, your helmet falls off every time. Yeah. Is that a usual thing for you, or is that just this summer? No. During the season, it happened every single time I hit the ball. Ground outs, everything. I just haven't found a helmet that fits my head the right way. It's kind of a pain in the butt, but it is what it is. <laughs> so it's your, it's your first year in Upper Valley and in, in this league. Uh, how do you say you've enjoyed it for summer ball, and how do you think you performed so far? Um, it's been great. I mean, I just go out there every day and try to help my team win, and um, becoming an all-star was a blessing. I mean, I, that wasn't the main goal when I came in here, but just go out every day and try to help those guys win down there, and if it, if it turns out that way, it turns out that way, but I'm happy to be here. It's been a blessing. So now, Hofstra, when you're working with your pitcher, you use the pitch comm system, which has recently come to baseball. But you go a little bit old-fashioned here in Upper Valley and just use the, the good old finger yeah. signals. What's the difference like? Um, it's cool. At Hofstra, I don't call my own game. But up here, I've been, I've been calling the game. So it, it's cool. It, it keeps your mind engaged. Makes you think a lot of time. You walk out of the games pretty tired. But um, <laughs> it's great. And Coach Chad has a lot of faith in us to call our own game. So it's, it's great. I, I mean, I love it. And then you have... Eight caught stealing this summer. Uh, that's tied for second in the NECBL last time I checked. Is that the most fun part about being a catcher, the, the ability to throw out runners? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's the best part of this, the sport to me. I mean, just... Uh, most exciting. Yeah, exactly. It's great. I mean, I love it. And uh, it's a testimony to our pitchers, too, who are good at holding runners on and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah. It's cool. It's a good part of the game. And uh, one more question. What are some of your favorite activities to do during off days around the Upper Valley? I mean, we go golfing a little bit, um, but a lot of the off days, I just like to relax. Um, you don't get much time to relax up here, so just, just hanging out with some of the boys and just, just relaxing is, is my favorite thing. That's Kevin Brugman, all-star catcher for the Upper Valley Nighthawks. Kevin, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, guys. Thank you to Kevin Brugman for taking the time to sit down and talk with us, and congratulations once again goes out to Kevin on the all-star nod. But let's talk about a guy that hasn't played recently for the Nighthawks and who is in all likelihood leaving the team after the all-star game. But Chris Worcester has been another guy that has really been flying under the radar, having a very good, consistent season and really turning out to be a five-tool guy, a guy who can really do it all. And, and it's interesting because he's sort of a similar guy to both Adarius, Kevin, and Ryan in that he's going to just bring his hard hat to work, he's going to bring his lunch pail, and he's going to quietly be consistent. Uh, that's been a consistency with, with all those all-stars that we've mentioned so far. And for him, he, he's a quiet guy, but he shows it um, – at the plate with really consistent hitting, contact hitting. He also has a, a home run. So he has some power, some sneaky power as well. But a lot of it is just hard 
hitting and uh, he's just been consistent a 273 batting average this summer and uh, a 689 OPS again that that's a reliable option and then in the field man at shortstop he is so good at being able to pick it up with the backhand and throw on the run to first we've seen him gun down a couple guys yeah defense especially on the infield has been a strong point for the Nighthawks that shortstop position between him and Tyler Long has just been shorthanded all season long now Marco Ali coming in as well but want to talk a little bit about the bat as well of Chris Worcester now coming in coming from a smaller school in Eastern Illinois now the Nighthawks have had success with guys from Eastern Illinois Ryan Ignafo probably the keystone example but uh, for Worcester he didn't come in with much power only four home runs through two seasons and only one here for the Nighthawks but since he's gone down with an injury his swing has just been getting better and better Every time we see him come out there, I think every time he comes into the cage, I watch him take BP, and every round he finishes, he asks me, did that get over? And more often than not, it does. He's getting more and more pop, building up more muscle. And he's, speaking of muscle, this is one thing I wanted to bring up. He's only 5'9", he's 190 pounds. He, he packs a lot in, even with his short stature. So you know he's got a lot of power. He, he's got some build to him. And it's impressive to see for a shortstop. Normally, there's a lot of long, lengthy guys. So he just has an interesting, just sort of physical build to him. And he makes it work. Yeah, he does. It's so fun to watch him play uh, on both sides of Diamond. And he will be missed in this Nighthawks order. And I think... Uh, the results the last month or so have really kind of shown how much he's been missed in the starting lineup for the Nighthawks. But now let's move to some of the pitchers. And Teddy Tolliver has been having another guy quietly good season for the Nighthawks. Now he goes to Lehigh, which is one of the, you know, the talents in the Patriot League, which another one of the small conferences in the top level of NCAA baseball. But uh, he had a strong season for Lehigh this year, a 3.61 ERA over 12 games, and it's just gotten better with the Nighthawks, a 2.53 mark over five games. And this has been a consistent just improvement starting from last summer where he was in the Great Lakes Collegiate League, and uh, he had a 5.49 ERA with 12 earned runs, but 13 walks, uh, not a great rate. And he has just been a great option here at the top of the starting lineup with 21 and a third innings pitch. That's second on a team that really doesn't use a ton of arms late in games. He's got 20 strikeouts as well. And you talk about those walks, he's limited it to just five this summer. So really, the improvement is immense. Yeah, really. The, the key point is cutting down on those walks. Five walks, that translates to a 2.1 walks per nine, which is... A really low statistic. That's where you'd really like it to be. Only walking two guys per nine innings. That's an ideal statistic in a four to one strikeout to walk ratio. It's it's a really good numbers for a guy who is a dominating presence on the mound. Six foot five. He can stare down a lot of hitters, but also just one of the nicest guys on the team, and uh, just a real pleasure to talk to. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of that, we got the chance to talk to him prior to one of the games this week. Just a great guy, a gentle giant, if you will. Let's take a listen. Our third and final podcast guest this week is Nighthawks all-star pitcher Teddy Tolliver. Teddy, uh, congratulations on the all-star nod. Thank you, man. I'm happy to be there. So, Teddy, you've been a, one of the consistent performers on the mound for the Nighthawks this season and have really settled into a groove. What adjustments have you made throughout the season? 
Uh, I would say just getting a lot of work in with our pitching coach, Chad Sturgeon. He's helped me out a lot. I came here in the beginning of the year. I was a little out of whack. Things didn't feel right. And just through bullpen work, he's helped me out a lot on my mechanics. Uh, Big Ted. Teddy Tickets. Any other nicknames we should know about? Mm. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Big Ted, Teddy Tickets. Everybody obviously just calls me Big Red. Big Red. <laughs> um, I'd say those are the main ones. <laughs> okay, good stuff. And on the on the note of Chad, um, how has it been working with him? What is he like as a coach? Oh, I mean, he's awesome. He's honestly probably one of the best pitching coaches I've ever had in my whole life. Obviously, he's good at keeping everything loose. He's not just our coach. He's one of our all, all of our great friends and he definitely knows what he's talking about, so it's a pleasure to work with him. Speaking of Big Ted, we had to take a school bus a couple of times uh, in the last week, and uh, the last time we had to take it, you got on and said, I'm not doing this. So how, how bad was that trip, and was there any chance you are going to take that school bus? Oh, no. I mean, we were, uh, me and a couple other dudes were waiting to get picked up, and Chad was actually there, and it was actually his idea. He was like, I asked uh, our head coach, Pause, if you could just drive, but you're going to have to ask him yourself. And once I saw the yellow school bus pull up, I knew my, my body was not going to enjoy sitting on that bus, cramming my knees in there for an hour. So it took one quick question to pause, and he was like, yeah, you're good, man. So, Teddy, you're one of the tallest guys, probably the tallest guy on the roster here, but Chad Sturgeon, taller than you. So what's it like working with someone who is who you got to actually literally look up to? And me and Chad, we, we get into it a little bit. You know, we both <laughs> we both like to train some, uh, some martial arts, so I always like to chirp him a little bit, say I'd whoop him even though he's bigger than me and he's got that that grown man dad strength but i think i could take him <laughs> so it is this something you uh sort of developed over time mma or is this something you grew up doing uh well i mean i, I did it a little bit in high school my dad was really big into jujitsu and i wrestled as like a young child and that's just you know when you play play a sport year long like this you gotta have other interests so really just mess around with it keep your mind off baseball mm-hmm and speaking of baseball, it's been a lot this summer for, for all the guys with the postponements, the amount of games, and just we, we just had Kevin in, and he was talking about how exhausted he's been. It's been tiring, especially last night um, against Newport. How have you been able to keep your body rested and continue to pitch? Because you've pitched one of the highest innings count on the entire team, so how have you kept your body in shape? Uh, definitely just a lot of caffeine, and you have to be willing to sleep in to, to noon if you have to, especially like last night. You get back at you know 1.30 in the morning, just got to turn that alarm clock off and get the recovery in that you need. Yeah, it's your first, this is your first year in the league. You say you had a, a lot to work on coming in, but you're an all-star. So like, how does it feel knowing that some of the work paid off? Oh, obviously it's awesome. I mean, super happy to be able to go there and represent uh, Lehigh. And I'm excited I'll get to uh, share the field with a – I'll be a, an all-star alongside one of my childhood friends, Devin Taylor. So it'll be cool to share the field with him. And, yeah, obviously it's just a great honor. So we talked a little bit about MMA. Uh, you're a big fan of it as well. We were talking about it coming up here to record the podcast. So who are your, some of your favorite fighters to watch all time? Uh, right now, definitely Charles Oliveira, big jiu-jitsu guy. That's one of the big ones I'm into. All time, I got to say Nate Diaz. I just love his, his antics, and obviously he's probably one of the most interesting fighters to ever come through. So then one more question. Uh, we've had a lot of rainouts, a lot of off days. What have been some of your favorite activities to do around the Upper Valley when you're not at the ballpark? Um, I mean, I would say probably the popular answer with everybody is just hanging out with everybody, you know, going to Queechee, uh, going in the river and stuff, and just going to get food with everybody. It's a good time. 
And it's Nighthawks All-Star Teddy Tolliver. Teddy, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Teddy Tolliver for talking with us and telling him a little bit about us. Telling us a little bit about him, easy for me to say. Uh, But now let's one more pitcher here on the Nighthawks and that has been having a phenomenal season. He had to go to the fan boat to get in. And this is a shout out to all the fans for putting in the work and also the interns putting in the work a little bit as well, sending in all of our emails to get Luis Misla to the All-Star game. And he's a guy that, again, coming in, flew under the radar for the Nighthawks. He came in from Hudson Valley Community College, a smaller JUCO program, and is now going to Division Three SUNY Cortland. But the numbers that he's putting up, you can easily make a case for him to go to a larger program at the Division One level. He has struck out 25 batters over 23 innings, at least the team in innings pitched. And now you look at all his statistics, especially his metrics, the spin rate on his slider is astronomical. He's got major league level stuff. I mean, that that spin rate is around 3,000. <laughs> I mean, it, it's that's hard to to really say when it when it comes out of my mouth, but um uh, that is what we've seen from Luis Misla with that slider. It's so nasty. He's got that fastball slider down to a pin. And uh guys just have such a a hard time hitting it. And in addition, you talk about a guy who's uh, flown under the radar coming into things, but once he's been here, he's shined under the bright lights. Mm-hmm. He really embraces these big games. Um, potentially a guy who we wanted to have him coming out for the Governor's Cup coming up, but that'll have to switch around because of him going into the All-Star game. But overall, again, just he has been the team's ace, the guy that they've relied on, and he's delivered. It's not often that you'll see opposing team analytic departments really light up whenever they see the track man numbers. And that's what happens whenever Luis Misla pitches. But you, you've got to also talk about just the individual game performances where he has come on and really worked wherever Chad Sturgeon has needed him to come on. He's come in four games starting, four games in relief. And it's it's paid off. He's had a phenomenal season, including that showing against the Bristol Blues where he struck out nine over five no-hit innings. That was incredible. Uh, that was the best we've seen, Luis. None of them, none of the Bristol Blues batters could hit his slider. Got one guy to to buckle at the knees. That was filthy stuff. And overall, like you said, he's been used in different ways. He's embraced the role of, hey, Chad, throw me out there whenever you need me, and I'll deliver. And you also got to talk about how that fastball is developing. Of course, his go-to pitch, the bread and butter, is the slider. But the fastball coming on as well, it started off you know, mid to high 80s, but now it's consistently sitting the high 80s a little bit. You know, 87, 88 I've seen a couple times as well. And throwing from the left side, you don't always have to throw that high velocity. Usually just the arm angle can be enough of a mix. But developing that fastball, getting the velocity a little bit up will help him attract more eyes of scouts. And what a great time, right? He's going to the All-Star game right now um, to show off that improved fastball. Give credit to Chad Sturgeon as well. He's helped so many guys, uh, so many pitchers here for the Nighthawks. And uh, did you see that video that Luis said, uh, that Luis put out? Yeah. Um, that was special stuff. He really... 
this really means a lot to him. You know, you could tell by that video. If you haven't seen it, uh, Nighthawks fans, go out to our socials, uh, check it out. It's on Instagram and Twitter. He just really expresses gratitude for being able to get to the All-Star game with the fan vote. Um, really grateful stuff. And, and he shows um, how excited he is to be there in Lynn. So now one more guy that got named the All-Star game won't be able to participate He's left the Nighthawks already this season, but Garrett Pike was really the star of this lineup throughout the early stage of the year. He had some struggles starting off the season, was hitting below the Mendoza line to start the year, but he really picked things up, especially that one week of the season where he got his power swing going. Three home runs, that still leads the team, and just one of the most powerful swings that we've seen on this Nighthawks roster. If I'm not mistaken, Garrett Pike still leads the team in RBIs, too. I think Kevin Brugman is catching up to him. Uh, but let's take a quick... Oh, that's uh, that's last season's game. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, Garrett Pike has just been a consistent slugging threat that they've, they've missed a little bit since he had to leave the team um, due to injury. But when he was here, he was a consistent option in the cleanup spot, a consistent option in right field. I mean, you could rely on his cannon, and yes, he still leads the team with 16 RBIs. Um, that just shows to his, his, his mentality when guys are on base, the consistency, the reliable option at the top of the lineup. When the Nighthawks needed him to come through, he did. And uh, it's, it's a shame that he's not with us anymore. But again, that slugging threat, that ability to hit for power, it, it can't be um, said enough, the importance of that one. They didn't really have a slugging threat. This is not a team that hits for power a lot. So Garrett really represented that. Yeah, and you also talked about the arm. I think they need to plant a placard out there in right field uh, in Sanford, Maine, where he hosed down a runner at second base on a ball hit to the wall. Now, it is a short porch out in right field under 300 feet in Sanford, but he still made it look easy out there. And he played a couple more plays as well throughout the course of the season. Remember one in foul territory where he made a great play on it to to hold the runner and also another play where he just missed the play at second, uh, the tag a little bit late, but he's got a hose out there in right field. And that also serves dividends for a guy that with a power bat, with a great arm in right center or right field, that is pretty much the prototype for a major league right fielder. Yeah, the arm is there. The the bat is there. He just needs to to limit the strikeouts a little bit more. He had 27 strikeouts uh, this summer, but um, he can definitely improve upon that. Uh, guys were really not giving him anything to swing at, so that batting average fell towards the end of his time here. But still, 288 batting average. That's still really impressive. Uh, 23 hits, three doubles, one triple. He's got sneaky speed as well. He had three stolen bases, so he's got it all. He's going to go back to Toledo, and he's going to make noise there again. He had a great summer there, a, a great year there with 15 bombs, 54 RBIs. Um, and this is another year of improvement for him. I'm looking forward to see what he does at Toledo. He's had two straight years there um, with all-conference honors. And this season for the Nighthawks, and still getting used to the wood bat, a 175 ISO, that's isolated power, slugging minus average, and that's really close to where you'd like uh, major leaguers to be with their power numbers. So it's projectable pop for Garrett Pike, and looking forward to seeing what he does when he returns to Toledo for his next season. But uh, now let's shift the focus past the All-Star game and looking forward to the, the next week in store. And really, this is 
make or break for the Nighthawks. It's the biggest week of the season for them. Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. You look at the schedule, they got the Governor's Cup coming up right after uh, the All-Star game. That's a 1 p.m. start on Monday, so it's a really short turnaround. They only have one day off, and then they have to get right back to it. They're going to face Sanford another time. Sanford has just had their number as of late with with blowouts and and solid pitching so they're they're gonna play sanford two more times they're gonna play vermont three more times including a double header um and four more if you include next sunday as well yeah excuse me the three three more times uh three days they'll, yes. they'll play him but um yeah this is gonna be such a tough stretch um last night playing keen i marked it down uh nine games in the next eight days uh so now make it um eight games in the next seven so this is going to be a tough stretch and uh they'll need to bring their a game something that we've seen just be up and down lately yeah and uh the governor's cup will be decided in this next week we uh, the Upper Alley Nighthawks are leading coming into the last four games of the Governor's Cup, 3-1. to one, But uh, with it being an eight-game series, it, they have to win five. Because Vermont won it last year, they need to win five. Vermont only needs to win four. So Nighthawks still need to win fewer games than the Mountaineers at this point. Nighthawks only needing two, Vermont still needing three. But Vermont will have that home field advantage all four remaining games to be played at Montpelier Recreation Field. And the Nighthawks have struggled on the road, uh, eight and thirteen this summer, and they have six of the next eight games on the road. Just two home games. Um, sad faces for us. We yes. love the Max. We love our Maple Creamies. So um, we got to get those in the last two home games. Um, but again, this is going to be a big test for a team that struggled on the road. Last two home games. We we will remind you, Nighthawks fans. Wednesday and Thursday, the twenty sixth against Keene and twenty seventh against the Sanford Mainers and we hope to see you out there on the 27th we hope to see you on the 26th as well but the 27th pack the max night we hope to see a full Maxfield sports complex trying to break the record for stadium attendance but once again that's a game that means a lot here to the Nighthawks right now looking at the playoffs they are half a game out behind the North Shore Navigators now they do have a game in hand on North Shore, so that could turn things around a little bit here, but uh, that's really a situation where they can't worry about what other teams are doing. They got to win and then worry about what's happening outside of them. Definitely. Just focus on yourself and and let the results come. Um, and, and let's talk quickly about what needs to happen for them to make the playoffs. How do they need to play? Um, we've seen the offense start to get better as of late. You know, a, a really um, encouraging performance against Martha's Vineyard um, where they won the first game four to three. They lost game two, five to four, but they had six hits in game two. They had five hits. Um, they had six hits in, in game one, excuse me. So both games with six hits and then going, they just improved upon that against the Swamp Bats. They had 13 hits. They put up 10 runs. Um, so the offense has really come together. They, they're they still living, leaving a lot of guys left on base. But I think if, if the offense can continue to pick up where it's left off the last few games, that'll be great. But it's the pitching. Can the pitching stay consistent? That's the big word, consistency. Um, Just up and down, both offense and pitching, this team has been all summer. So if the pitching can bring it, there's a good chance the Nighthawks can. What do you think about that? Yeah, I want to go back to the offense real quick here. You mentioned 
uh, getting more consistency with the offense. And they really showed improvement in the span of one game. Game two of that Martha's Vineyard doubleheader, the first two innings, they had bases loaded, only were able to get three runs and stranded the bases loaded both times. But then uh, when you look at the Keene game, they had bases loaded in the first inning, were able to score a crooked number. So that was consistent improvement in just that one game span, but the pitching has got to improve. You looked at that that Keen game, just so many free passes, so many walks allowed, and it's something that you can't be doing, especially so many games against teams in front of you in the standings in Vermont and Sanford with the Nighthawks chasing a playoff spot right now. They're not going to get those easy games. Uh, coming into Keen yesterday, we thought that would have been a, a game that they should have won. Well, quite frankly, they should have had that not been for the uh, the inordinate number of walks. But the Swamp Bats, they've got good bats. That's the one strength they can rely upon. And you give them so many chances to hit with runners in scoring position. It was only a matter of time until they were going to break through for that 16-run spot. So many barrels that they put up. And again, uh, you talk about the slugging and the walks. Well, that was the perfect combination for a grand slam, right? Yeah. Devin Taylor, um, you get a couple walks on, you get the bases loaded, and he, and you make them. And Devin Taylor makes them pay. So that's really the consistent thing. Can they limit the free bases? And uh, we we've seen it. We've we've seen the pitching be really good at times. Zach Rogers be a consistent option. Um, Russell Hunter has had his moments. They just had an off night last night against Keene. Um, but one thing that I think to look forward to, uh, Randall Alejo, he had a Nighthawks record 12 strikeouts um, in game one of that Martha's Vineyard doubleheader. And so he's going to have a couple days off now, and then you're going to have him back potentially um, for one of the home games left or uh, a Vermont game, a uh, Governor's Cup game coming up to end the season. So p- perhaps Chad Sturgeon wants to continue using him as a starter because he was lights out. So you have him coming back. You'll have Teddy Tolliver, Luis Misla. They'll be back in a few days. So maybe they can put together a really good stretch starting pitching-wise. But again, it's the bullpen. Can they pick up where they left off, the starting pitching left off? I think those three names, Misla, Tolliver, and Alejo, I think those might be your three starters on Saturday and Sunday against the Vermont Mountaineers. But once again, until that point, still a busy slate. We'll run right through it in order for you. Monday the 24th. On the road against Vermont at 1 o'clock. Tuesday at Sanford, it's a 6.30 start. Wednesday and Thursday, both 6 o'clock home games against Keene and Sanford, respectively. Again, Sanford, that 27th pack the max night. Hope to see you there. Hope to see you throughout the schedule. It's a local slate of games. Friday at Keene, then a doubleheader at Vermont on Saturday. That's a 3.30 start. And then at Vermont to close out the regular season at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Playoffs will follow. Whether or not the Nighthawks are in it, we'll wait and see. But uh, final thoughts here as we head down the stretch. Well, uh, are, are we going to talk about what we're doing outside of the outside of the internship? Outside well, I, I think we're pretty much locked in here yeah. down the stretch. It's, okay. uh, it, it, we're extremely busy yeah. uh, down the stretch here. It's you know, you, you mentioned it, eight games in seven days now. No time for us to, to have any time for ourselves. <laughs> no time for Monopoly, right? No, exactly. <laughs> we haven't actually played Monopoly in quite a long time. I think the standings still stand where they were as of last recording. Maybe one of these days we'll get a playoff game and determine a, a, a Monopoly winner, but we'll let you know about that. Kind of wrap things with a bow following the Vermont 
uh, game on Sunday. We'll we'll tie things up and do a season recap on Hawks Talk. But final thoughts here as we head down the stretch. Yeah, uh, Ian, first off, um, I know you'll be going to the All-Star game, so have fun with that. Thank you. Um, I'll be seeing uh, Oppenheimer today at some point, so I'll give you a movie review. I'll let you know how that goes, and maybe you can have some time when the season's over to watch it. But um, final thoughts for me, uh, we talked about all the All-Stars they really deserved it. Uh, what a great performance, uh, all in different ways. You know, Garrett Pike doing it in the outfield, Kevin Brugman doing it behind the dish as well as with his bat. So many guys contributing on both ends of the ball. I, that's been a, a consistency with them. So really good credit to them. I really hope that they can get recognized by some scouts. And who knows? We'll see what happens there. But just Props to all those guys putting in the work this summer. And I'm looking forward to see what the Nighthawks can do down this final stretch. Yeah, I also want to give a shout-out to the guys who are starting to get things going. Dylan Palmer, Austin Beck, really the bottom of the lineup. Marco Ali. Marco Ali, some of the late additions. Marco Ali and Demarius Rodriguez started to get it going. But, uh, yeah, it's the pitching that really needs to step things up down the stretch. And Chad Sturgeon, limited number of arms, limited number of guys. But... He's going to rely on some of those guys that haven't had the strongest performances this season to maybe come into a big spot and shake off the season they've been having and really define their season on one performance. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for this all-star edition of the Hawks Talk podcast. We'll hope to see you next week, and hopefully we'll have a positive report on the last week of the regular season. We'll hope to talk about a potential playoff run for the Upper Valley Nighthawks. But in the meantime, we hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time here on Hawks Talk. Take care.